Ladies and gentlemen, Simon Tells Tales is proud to present Tillbashing, a retail love story set in the north of England and read by Simon Tells Tales. Episode 1 The Uniform Mum makes me pack up and sits next to me on the bus for me first day of work. We ride from Fremo to town just like we've done before. Air sat with hands of white sagging skin folded in her lap. Me, finding faces in the old orange and black patterns of the seats in front. Only this time, I hold on to the odd transparent plastic of a food box too. The inside fogged up with water drops from tuna sandwiches. Outside... The mucky bus windows pile up with rain that streaks in lines and smears the colours of streetlights. It's December morning, cold and dark. Here, let me, she says, and thumbs and forefingers pinch to tug down on the grey-white collar of my shirt. She bites her lip, eyes on the space down the middle of my chest where my school tie hung six months ago. She pats me on the right shoulder, quick, light taps and then turns to the window, smooths down her skirt and folds them hands back in her lap again. I am wearing the ever so slightly changed school uniform that I've been wearing to job interviews since July. Black as the trousers with bottoms that keep coming undone. Black as the socks, black barret shoes with the fake leathers torn away. And I've coloured the light grey beneath with black felt tip. And a white as the shirt. It's lost them things in the collar for keeping it stiff. And has been washed so many times it's turned a mucky grey. This is the interview suit. Our interview suit, she says, because she did the sewing on the trousers and frets about the collars and waits for me after every one. Only difference between the interview suit and the school uniform is the school uniform had a tie. In the end, I had to throw that tie out to stop her making me wear it to interviews. She still reckons that once I get paid, I can get another. In me pockets... I've got me wallet, which has two quid in it, flat keys, mobile phone and tissues. See, me nose runs bad in winter. Got me coat on too, still wet with rain from waiting for the bus. When the bus tilts to go down under the train track, water slips off me, odin down the back of me neck. Grimsby is very quiet for once. Mum's right forefinger taps against their right leg and the bus's engine revs to a high growl as it climbs the dip on the other side of the track. When we're straight, the bus's front wipers clear away the rain to show the red brick of the multi-storey car park, then Grimsby's shopping centre, then the sprawled off glass shelters of the bus station spread out in front. She turns to me. I turn too, so it's easy for her to fix me collar. Her fingers stretch, but they don't leave her lap. Be good today, she says.
The bus pulls into the station, cuts its speed and lets out a cry as the handbrake's old joints grind into place. The engine splutters and dies and from the front comes a pneumatic hiss as the door swings out. No one is waiting at the bus stop and the rain is loud against the glass. I stand, pull me coat flaps over me shoulders, fingers on the zip still wet to close it. She just sits there, fingers tapping against their leg, looking straight ahead. One minute later, and I am on me own, walking up the high street, head down, water falling off me hood to puddle on the blue-grey bricks of the street, each one shot with yellow from the street lights bulbs. Each one of them is put in at an angle to look like the trawlers that Grimsby used to have. The bloke at the newspaper stand hasn't had chance to put up today's headline yet. Yesterday, we're about someone winning lotto. There'll probably be a story about someone winning it next week too. I ain't won out yet though. I don't play. Can't afford it. My hands are in my pockets, but they're still getting wet. Today is six months since I finished my GCSEs, three months since everyone tried not to look disappointed with the results, and one month since mum walked with me to the interview at Walker's to tug at my shirt collar and worry that she hadn't brought me a tie. But hey, I'm a Christmas temp. It's my first day, so there's asked me to come in early, like, before the dull steel shutters on the rest of the high street shops get rolled back, and while the homeless are still curled up in their sleeping bags. A few of them are sat up, backs against shop doors, trying to keep their feet out of the rain. Walker's is the only shop on the high street with its lights on. Its sign, made out of giant green letters cut from plastic, stands above the front door. It catches the glow of the streetlights and reflects them on the rain, turning everything green. My trousers are very wet, and they cling to me legs. I reckon the fabric shrunk. The rainwater soaks through to me boxes and touches me skin. When the wind blows, it lifts the rain in shimmering white sheets and the cold runs through me. I feel the snot build around me nostrils. It grows till it strokes the skin above me lip, heavy and wet and ready to drop. I catch it in a bit of toilet paper. There's two sets of automatic double doors to get into walkers. The first set has had its rollers pulled up, but the second is shut. I walk up to the first set of doors. They don't open. Inside, all the lights in the store are on and row after row as shells fold back like ribs. But there are no customers and no one stands at the tills. I put my hand against the door, wooden and painted white, but round the edges it's peeled back to the orange-yellow wood beneath. I give it a gentle push, even though it's a slide and the wind picks up and carries the rain into the doorway, over the top of me coat and in to soak the collar of me shirt. I can't wear a hood, see? Me neck's too long, so 
huds just strain against me head and pull me neck down. Inside, there's movement. Two lasses in their forties, both wearing green shirts, cross the aisles, pushing tall steel cages on wheels. There's cardboard boxes and tins of roses inside. I bang on the door, but they're gone, and there's no buzzer to press or doorknob to knock. Just a keyhole, and in between the doors is the tongue of a metal black lock. I bang again, but they don't come back. Christmas cards stand still on the shelves, and in the centre of the queuing system a giant Toblerone display awaits. I bang me fist on the glass again. It shakes the door and a lad comes walking down the aisle. He pushes another cage. He's the same age as me. Maybe a year older, not much. Probably didn't go to college, neither. He's small. Freckles on white skin, hair shaved short on his head. He wears a walker's shirt, green with a grey mesh pattern over the top. There's a name tag to the right of his chest, but there's not much to see there. He's got black trousers and black shoes, no sovereign rings. I bang the door again, real hard. He keeps his head down and his chin tucked into his neck. Turns right. Toward the tills, stops the cage in front of him and takes out the boxes, puts them on the counter. From inside he pulls out long clumps of plastic bags, white with a walker's logo on. I pat me fist against the wood. From the bus station comes a bus's stuttering start as it argues not to be driven back out in the rain. Inside... The lad hangs the bags on the hooks under the tills. To the right of the doors on the shop's glass window there's a sign saying it's half an hour till they open. I step back. Nowhere on the ice street is open and the owners are soaked by the rain. I rest me back against the inner corner between the shop's doors and windows and I try to be flat and small. Water streams from the glass over me coat and onto me skin. I think the felt tip is washing off me shoes. Deep from the centre of the store comes the heavy iron trundle of wheels, gripping at their holders at the floor, trying to break but pushed on by strong arms that won't give in. Metal jumps, jingles and clashes in the fight against the pusher, but the trundle doesn't stop. Beneath the till, the lad goes stiff back perfectly straight. He looks straight ahead at the bags. Then his arms pump like metal rods. Bags get forced onto hooks and circles a white pop from pre-cut holes. He slides on his knees from till to till and the trundle turns the corner. Facing me is a dull metal trolley with two grey shells, both covered in rows of long black boxes. It's pushed by the thick arms of a woman, late forties, head down and blonde hair flowing. She's wide, thick, built like a bull. She wears a walker's uniform too. Her head is down, back straight, legs braced against the ground as she fights with the trolley. 
The wheels at the front shake and twist on their sockets. She lifts her head, knocks back her hair. Her face is the red of skin bitten by cold. The wrinkles round her eyebrows are tensed into bowels. And she looks at me. She's one of them what interviewed me. Her and another bird, the manager. Rainwater. Fallen from me hair has now run right the way down me collar and over me back and I am very cold. She lets go of the trolley. It stops. She shouts at the lad behind the till. She can't see the lad but the boxes of carrier bags give him away. Under the till the lad looks back at me. My hand is against the glass of the door, rolled up with fingers curled against me palm. The blonde leaves the trolley to come over. She takes a fistful of keys which are attached to her belt by a spring, shoves one of them into the door to turn back the thick black that holds the door together, and with both her hands on me shoulders brings me in. She locks the door with her head turned round to face me. From the aisles, two other women come to stand at the back of me, arms folded, heads cocked, water puddles at me feet. Me reflection forms on the floor. The big blonde's eyebrows are still knitted tight. Even though she ain't pushing the trolley no more, she looks at me, head moving with her eyes to trace from me hair to me feet. By the time she's finished, the shoulders are hunched high over her head. She looks at me, I smile, her nose rises. The lad from under the till stands straight, hand in hand in front of his body and head down. More water puddles. Me fingers find me collar. It's soaked. I try to straighten it. Stop, she says. Eyes locked on me, she snaps her fingers at the carrier bag. Lad, pull, get em up. The big blonde takes two steps close to me, presses a toe in the puddle and uses a thumb and a forefinger to wring water from the tips of me collar. You can't come in like this, she says, and yanks me zip down. Take it off. I can't see the women stood behind me, but I haven't heard them walk away. The big blonde looks at me, her right hand held in a claw, fingers pointing towards me chest, lips pressed together and pushed towards her nose. I unhook the teeth of me zip from the zipper. Water falls to the floor. Outside, the rain makes the streetlight wriggle over the paving like the backs of fish. I pull the arms from me sleeves and hold the coat. Water drips in front of me. She lets one sharp breath into her nose. I don't move. She rolls her head to the side. I know she's looking at them behind me. The water continues to drop. Me shirt is soaked, heavy and wet. It sticks to me skin. Me white shirt is soaked, heavy and wet. And it's see-through. The lad runs back, the blue handle of a mop in his hands. 
It shakes and smacks into the side of his leg. He winces, but don't cry out. In front of me, he stops, eyes on me, chest, he blushes. The red almost flushes all of his freckles out, and his head drops again. The big blonde flashes eyes behind me, and she tells the birds to take me upstairs. The birds in uniform are both the same height, tall enough but shorter than me. Both wear black trousers and the green walker's shirt. One, in her fifties, is thin with grey right hair cropped close to her chin and steel wire glasses. She wears high heels. She should have wrinkles, but the skin round their face is pulled too tight, skeleton-like. The other is mid-forties. She's fat, but carries it well, spreading curves. Blonde hair is pulled in a ponytail behind her head. Her nails are painted scarlet red, and her skin as the kind of deep orange tan that only comes out of a can. There are deep wrinkles on her face made worse by all that extra skin. I still drip water from me coat, me hair, and me trouser legs as they take me upstairs. Outside the men's changing rooms, the two of them wait. It is small, the walls are a grey-blue. There is one line of lockers to the right of the door, and it has three rows that stretch from ceiling to floor. The locker doors are blue and the flames are black. Some doors are missing, some are bent and crushed. Opposite the lockers is a wooden bench and pipes that are painted the same blue-grey as the walls. To the left is a door that leads to a single toilet. It stinks of sweaty mushrooms. I put my coat in one of the lockers that's missing a door. Don't worry about locking your things up, they'd said. But I worry anyway. On the left wall by the exit is a full-length mirror, and next to that, a poster showing a lad and lass in walker's uniform, with notes printed to say what kind of trousers, skirts, makeup, jewellery, shoes and hair you can have, and how you can keep your shirt tucked in. Walking round in leggings into a loud. Me trousers, black, soaked, Shiny look like leggings. In the toilet, there is a hot air hand dryer. I squat under it and do not let me clothes touch the stained mushroom smelling floor. I put fingers in me hair and shake it so that the hot air covers it. I don't like it, but it has to be done. I get bad dandruff, see. I get bad dandruff and the flecks of white stand out, especially bad against the pitch black mat of me hair whenever I get soaked by rain. Shaking me hair makes the dandruff worse, that's why I never wear black. All round me the ground fills with white flecks, I try to touch me hair only as much as I need and never press deep enough to touch the slimy layer of gel that covers me scalp. Once me hair has stopped dripping thick beads of rainwater over me shoulders and face, I stand, hit the metal button of the dryer again and try to cock me legs up close to dry the trousers off. I can't hold the position for long. Soon as I start to feel the hot air on me skin, me thighs give way, me legs drop. 
be easy if you took them off. The big blonde has come into the changing room. She stands by the bench facing the toilet, facing me. My legs stay fixed on the ground and the hand dryer blows hard, making it heavy whir. She holds three plastic wrapped green shirts in her hand and places them down on the bench. The sound of the blow dryer dies. What size are you, she says. The plastic wrapped shirts are too far away for me to see what my options are. Medium? I say. She rolls her eyes and comes towards me, tells me to turn around. I do. And from behind, her fingers grab the back of me collar, still wet. She pulls it back, her fingers push down me neck. The short nails nick at me skin, me spine. She grabs the shirt's tag and flicks it round. She grunts, let's go with the tag and me collar and me skin and grabs a shirt wrapped in plastic from an open locker. Wear this, she says. I hold the bag. Water falls from me and runs off the surface. Come on, it's nothing I haven't seen before, she says. She folds her arms and tucks her chin into her neck, feet firm against the ground. I feel sick. The walls of the toilet are very close on either side. I can reach the toilet door, I think, but she stares at me. My body is not the body of underwear models on the sides of buses. It is not the body of them at school who spent time at the gym doing press-ups. The skin on me chest is fleshy, soft. She does not move. I turn away. Put down the toilet lid, rip the walker's shirt from its packaging and place it on top. Me fingers grab at the buttons of me shirt and shake, lose grip and slip off. I have to grab them two, three, four times. I pull the wet shirt off. Dry yourself first, she says, when me fingers go for the green of the walker's shirt. My skin shines with rainwater, but I have no towel, and I can't use the soaked fabric of the old shirt. She steps behind me. I grab toilet paper. Sheet after sheet after sheet. It turns transparent as soon as it touches my skin. But eventually, I am dry. And the top of the toilet seat is littered with paper that looks like shed skin. I put on the shirt. The plastic touch of synthetic easy iron material slips against the skin. This new shirt does not want to touch me and I shiver as it shifts on me. But it is dry. Across my chest are the thick creases where the shirt was folded. When I'm done, the big blonde is ready and she holds a name tag. My name is already printed on it and the pin clip at its back is open. Without asking, she steps up and forces its pin through the green fabric on the right side of my chest, straightens it and closes it in place. I catch sight of myself in the mirror by the door. I'm dressed in green. I'm a tilbasher now. That brings us to the end of episode one of Till Bashing. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. 
If you could leave me a review, it would really mean a lot. Thanks. Thanks.